Chapter Twenty Eight of the Riddle of the Frozen Flame by Mary E. Hanshu and Thomas W. Hanshu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Eight Toward Morning. The flower in Cleek's buttonhole was jauntily erect. His immaculately garbed figure fitted in perfectly with every detail of the whole scene of which he was a part. He looked and was the exquisitely turned out man about town. Only his eyes told of other things, and they, as the organ swelled to the sounds of the wedding march, lighted up with something that spoke of the man within rather than the man without. He turned from his position at the altar, where he was fulfilling his duties as best man to Sir Nigel Merriton, and glanced back over the curve of his shoulder to where a girl sat, bending forward in the empty pew, her face alight, her eyes beneath the curving hat-brim, swimming with tears. She nodded as he saw her, and smiled the promise of their future together curving the sweet lips into gracious womanly lines. Behind her, on guard as usual, and gay in a gorgeous garment of black and white checks, white waistcoat, and flaming scarlet buttonhole, sat Dollops, faithfully watching while Cleek assisted at the ceremony that was uniting two souls in one and casting aside for ever the smirch of a name that must rankle in the heart of her who had owned it in common with the man who had so nearly wrought her soul's desolation. Then it was all over. The organ swelled once more with its tidings of joy. Upon her husband's arm, Toinette passed down the tiny aisle, tears running down her cheeks unchecked, and mingling with the smiles that chased each other like sunbeams across her happy face. Cleek was at the porch waiting for them as they came out. He reached forth a hand to each. "'Good luck, and God bless you both,' he said. "'This is a fitting end, Merriton, and a new and glorious beginning.' "'And every moment of it, every second of it, we owe to you, Mr. Cleek.' returned Sir Nigel in a deep, happy voice. Time alone can show our gratitude. I can't. Cleek bowed, and his hand went out suddenly to Ailsa Lorne, who had stolen up beside him, went out and caught her hand and held it in a grip that hurt. I know, boy, and one day in the glad future I shall call upon you. Who knows? to attend a similar ceremony on my behalf, and in which Mr. Narkom here has promised to act as best man, with Dollops to bolster him up if he should be attacked with nerves. Now be off with you, and be happy. We'll see you later at the Towers, Merriton. Good-bye to you both. The door closed, the engine started, Dollops sprang back, and they were off. The boy turned suddenly, looked at Cleek and Ailsa standing there in the sunshine of the little porch, at Mr. Narkom chuckling quietly behind them, and remarked, "'Gaw, don't know which is the best, weddings or funerals, strike I don't. 
"'You snivels at both like a blinking fool with a cold in his head. "'And when it comes to your time, Governor, "'well, if you don't let me mark a third at the funny moon, "'I'll commit hurry-scurry on your wery doorstep. "'And jolly good riddance to bad rubbish, too.'" End of The Riddle of the Frozen Flame by Mary E. Hanshu and Thomas W. Hanshu Recording by Ruth Golding